So Money episode 427, Matt Kapnis, also known as Nomadic Matt. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Now, many of you I know are interested in simplifying your investment strategy. You want to reduce fees. You want to work with a service that you trust. And Wealthfront delivers. It builds and manages your personalized, globally diversified portfolio. To open an account, the minimum is just $500, and that gets you a periodically rebalanced, diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds. There are zero trading fees, zero hidden fees, and advisory fees that are just a fraction of traditional advisors. In fact, Wealthfront manages your first $10,000 for free. To learn more and sign up, visit wealthfront.com forward slash so money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. How are you? How's it going? June 8th, 2016. Summer is upon us. Almost can't wait. My son's turning two years old this month. I cannot believe it how time flies. Parents out there, I don't know what you do to make time slow down, but someone please teach me because this is just going way too quickly. I wanted to bring on today's guest because it's almost summer. I mean, it's pretty summery right now in New York. Sun is shining, flowers are in bloom, and it's time to think about vacation. And if you haven't planned a vacation yet, this is where our guest today is going to come to the rescue. Matt Kepnes is the creator of the award-winning budget travel site Nomadic Matt. He is also the author of the New York Times bestseller, How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. So here's how it happened. In 2005, Matt took a trip to Thailand, and it was there that he decided to quit his job finish his MBA, and just travel. And his trip was supposed to last one year, but fast forward now, 10 years later, he's still trotting the globe. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to make a living off of traveling the world? Well, that's what Matt's doing, and he's going to tell us how he's doing it. He's also going to talk about how to do it on a budget, you know, how to spend less than $50 a day. He confesses that his MBA was probably his biggest financial failure. And he also talks about why he insists on paying his own way when he travels, because truth be told, he could probably, thanks to the popularity of his blog, he could travel for free anywhere, anytime, if he really wanted to. Here is Nomadic Matt. Nomadic Matt, welcome to So Money, Matt Kepnes is your full name, but we'll call you Nomadic Matt for the next 30 minutes because I think that's a lot cooler and it's your brand. Welcome to So Money. Hey, thanks for having me, Pranush. Everyone calls me Nomadic Matt. Everyone does call you. So (laughs) That's cool. It has a great ring to it. You've definitely done a a great job of branding yourself. And uh, the reason I found you was because I was researching an article, my column in Oprah Magazine in August will have to do with how to travel on a dime, especially if you haven't traveled all summer and you want to go somewhere quick and fast and fun. So let's start there. I want to go on a trip this summer. I was last night, I was on Airbnb and I went on like homeaway.com to try to find a summer rental property for a week. Nowhere too fancy. Like I'm good with the Jersey Shore, but I'll also do the Hamptons if I can, if I can afford it. There's nothing. Even if I had all the money in the world, I would not be able to find anything at this point. 
what's my best bet at this point? I have a one, I have a two-year-old also. Let's keep in mind. Do you want a, a whole house or? I want, want I would like a apartment? whole house. Yeah. I would like to be able to invite family and have to be able to cook and all that stuff. Uh, VRBO or HomeAway deals with more luxury houses. So you'd probably find more offerings over there. Airbnb is more apartments as well as, you know, you get some homes mm-hmm. and luxuries, but VRBO and HomeAway really specialize in you and your family going to destination X for a week and really getting a, a home. All right. Hence the name. So I would, I would stick to HomeAway. I mean, you're just going to have to play with the dates if you can't find anything. You know, you're getting into summertime. The Hamptons are really popular. Things are going to get booked out. You know, August would probably be better, but a lot of people who use VRBO and HomeAway book for one week, two week blocks at a time. And so since you're getting the whole house, owners can't really, you know, turn around lots of people. So. Right. So I invite anyone listening, if you have a summer home and you want me to live in it for a week, you know, email me because <laughs> we are looking for somewhere to crash in August just to get away from work in the city. But enough about me. That was a selfish question. Let's talk about how you got started as Nomadic Matt. You know, you went to get your MBA. Imagine you envisioned a career doing business. Instead, you went on a trip and it lasted 10 years. And here we are. What was the turning point for you? At what point were you like, eh, business, not so much for me? Although I'm sure in your day to day operations, you incorporate some business strategy because you, you, you make a living off of doing this. But why make this transition? You know, I don't think there was a specific aha moment. A lot of that time when people will tell you to find your passion and, you know, follow your dreams. I never woke up one day and said, I really desire to be a travel writer or own a big travel website. It just, one road led to another road, which led to this road. And I found myself really enjoying it. So I'm just riding this road. Will I do this forever? I don't know. Forever is a long time. But right now, I really like doing what I'm doing. You know, how I came to this point was really just, you know, I started this blog as a way to keep my friends and family informed about what I was doing and where I was going. Most of my mom, you know, so she knew I was alive. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's I important. Every time I got on a plane, oh my God, didn't you just see this news? And um, I started at a time when there weren't many travel blogs. So it was really easy to get found, so to speak. And I started getting more and more readers and mostly asking about the practical nature of travel. How do you, how do you do this? I want to go travel. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. And so I started blogging more and more about it, but it was always something in the side of my brain. Like I was an English teacher in Asia. I was really into the whole make money thing. Mm -hmm. Well, the make money online thing that was around in 2007, 2008. I thought that was fascinating. And I tried to get into that, but Travel blogging was always a side like thing. It was like, I like to travel. I like to write. I'm going to keep it on the side. Uh, and then one day a friend who, I guess, early mentor, uh, told me, why do you have all these stupid little AdSense Google websites? You're a travel expert. Just focus on travel. And I said, oh, I guess so. I've never really thought about it before. I don't know. I'll think about it. And so I, I decided to put more effort into the travel log, um, incorporating what I had learned, trying to build 
uh, marketing websites online so people can click, click on Google ads. Uh, and slowly over time, it built up and built up and built up. And, you know, it took a couple of years, but eventually it sustained itself. I mean, during that time, I was doing a million other things uh, until one day I found that the only thing I was really doing was my travel blog. And I actually really enjoyed it. And yeah, some days are really stressful, but suits me right now. Well, you started the blog, was it 2007? 2008. 2008, which seems like forever ago. And in some ways, in internet time, it was forever ago. There was, it was a different landscape. People weren't on social media as much back then. We didn't have Snapchat and there weren't as many travel bloggers, but I would guess it was still pretty competitive to differentiate yourself. So putting on your MBA hat here, when you look at how you've built your travel blog slash business and brand, what did you do strategically that helped set you apart? You have a New York Times bestselling book. Not all travel bloggers can say they have that. You actually have a lucrative business. Not all travel bloggers can say they can do that. So what were the ingredients that helped you not only set yourself apart, but also make this sustainable? Well, early on, you know, it was really it was easy to set yourself apart because there was nobody else. It was sort of like, you know, that blue ocean strategy they talk about in so many MBA courses that Cirque du Soleil did so well. Um, but of course all blue oceans become red oceans and you get competition. I think one thing that really set myself apart, if I were to, you know, take myself out of the equation and just look at it would be, I write really long detailed posts. So, uh, they get they're sort of evergreen. They follow that Tim Ferriss format where longer detailed resources is better. Uh, additionally, I, I network out of travel. That's why I know all these, you know, big internet marketers and other authors and um, successful entrepreneurs because I don't just focus on meeting people in the travel industry. I focus on meeting people in any industry that's successful and try to become their travel guide. Right. So if they have a travel question, they ask me. And if somebody they know has a travel question, they refer me. Um, and I also, you know, focus a lot on SEO. If you can dominate search, I mean, you know, if, if you're looking for a trip, you go to Google, you go to any search, like what do I do in XYZ? Um, and so that's really good. But I think one of the things that sets me apart from everybody else is that now, this is something I tell a lot of my travel writing blogging students. Um, your story is never about you. It's always about the reader. Nobody cares about your trip. They care about knowing that they could do that trip too. You don't care that I, you know, went to Sweden. Like you're like, great, Matt, that was fun. I, I'm not going to Sweden. You want to imagine yourself there and have the ability and then like the confidence that you can replicate that experience too. And a lot of travel blogs just talk about the free stuff they get and, and you know, what they did today. But the majority of people don't care what other people do during the day. They're just trying to survive and do their own stuff. So what are the th biggest questions you get from travelers? What do the people want to know? Is Obviously, they want to know how to save money, which we'll get to in a second, because I want to learn some of your best tricks for saving money on a trip. But what, what do you find are the biggest questions that go often unanswered? Unrelated to money, because that's usually the biggest one. Um, safety is a concern. 
Um, you know, will I, will I survive this? Uh, how will I be able to communicate with people? How will I make friends? Uh, there's just a lot of fear of the unknown. You know, everyone is like, okay, well, I can afford this, but it, there's an eternal struggle where people wonder if they can actually do it. Mm. And, you know, that, that's really difficult. I mean, I had no idea if I could do it or not. Um, and a lot of people can't do it. They come home or they go and they realize that they just don't like it. You know, we idealize the long-term travel. And, I mean, no one more so than probably me. I mean, that's what the whole blog is about. Go travel the world and find yourself. But, you know, it's important to recognize that sometimes finding yourself is finding yourself back home. And uh, so I always tell people that uh, just go do it. And if you don't like it, you can come home. Yeah. Um, have you ever been to North Korea? I have not. I just I interviewed someone who went, a female. So talk about, you know, safety, fear of the unknown. She's got a few pointers on that. She wrote a book about it called My Holiday in North Korea. You should probably interview her for your blog. I think it'd be really, really interesting. So let's talk about money. That is the biggest question people have for you. And I mean, why not? I mean, travel is expensive. How do you do it economically these days? What are people doing wrong? Well, okay, let's start there. What's the biggest mistake people make when it comes to financing a vacation? They assume it's expensive. That's the first mistake. Uh, they, assume, they assume that traveling must require hotels, expensive meals, cabs, tours, expensive flights, um, and that's partly because we have internalized the notion of travel in America as something that is a luxury you do once, maybe twice a year, where you don't travel, you take a vacation, you go to the resort, you take your cruise. And these are all high-end activities. And that's what we assume all traveling is like. But when you're traveling long-term, you're doing none of that. You're really just living like people do in... Um, destinations. Like you go to the market, you take public transportation, you find cheap places to stay. We don't have fancy meals every night. You don't stay in resorts. You find free tours. I always describe budget travel as doing exactly what you do back home, except somewhere else. Um, you wake up every day. Um, and you don't go out and take a taxi cab everywhere. You walk sometimes. You don't eat at the most expensive restaurant in the city every day for every meal. Um, you don't find the most expensive activity and do that all the time. You budget in your life so that you can make your money last. It's really the same thing on the road. Um, but we don't think of that because we don't live in a travel culture. We live in a vacation culture. You go elsewhere around the world. Um, the whole idea of taking a year off in the gap year is per pervasive. In America, we don't, it's not. It, that's where a lot of the problem stems from is, is like our culture is more about using up our two weeks, one time of year. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, companies don't really give us the time off. And even when you work for yourself, you feel like you have to just keep working because you don't know when that next paycheck is going to come. So how do you get over that psychological hump? You know, feeling like, you know, you can not only afford this as far as money, but time as well. Because, you know, if you're not working, you might feel like you're, you're behind a bit. So how do you justify that? Right. Well, you know, that's always something I hear a lot. Well, it's really easy for Europeans to travel. They get 
eight months off a year. In fact, they never work. But you know who gets less vacation time than us? The Japanese and the Koreans. Mm-hmm. They, though, legally get uh, a month a year. I mean, they they sleep in their office like they're workaholics just as much as we are. Yet they still manage to get away. And I think part of the thing is we view travel as this thing that like you have to go really far away and you have to get away and we have to see it all. Uh, and that becomes stressful. Well, how can I go to Europe in two weeks? Well, the answer is you don't go to Europe in two weeks. You go to Spain or you go to England or you just go to Southern France. You, you make it smaller. Um, and yeah, we're pretty far from everything. Um, if you mean, the other side of the world. But on this side of the world, we have Canada, we have Mexico, we have the Caribbean, we have all of Central America, um, South America. There's still a lot on this side of the world to see. Uh, you know, if you're going from New York to Buenos Aires, that's one overnight flight. It's no further than, well, in terms of like time away that, than like going to London, which is another overnight flight. Um, so you can still go to Argentina for two weeks. It may seem far away, but you leave at night, get in the morning, and then you leave at night and get back here in the morning. Um, so I think people always assume that, oh, I want to go away for two weeks, or I want to go away, but I only get two weeks vacation a year. Um, well, it's still two weeks. You can still go somewhere. You can also think of travel as a local thing. I mean, we always think of travel as I got to go far away, but what about the stuff around you. I mean, I love the U.S. I've driven across it multiple times. There is so much to see and do in the United States uh, that you could, you might not be able to get to Europe, but you could probably go on a road trip through New England or the South or maybe go hiking, um, you know, on two-week treks up the Pacific Crest Trail. There's always an option if you think of travel as anything that is away from your home, like where you live. Do you travel alone mostly? I vary. Um, mostly I do, but I often um, have so many friends abroad that I just end up going to visit them and I'm sort of, quote unquote, traveling with them. Um, it's really hard to get friends to come with you. I think if... I had to um, wait for friends. I'd probably still be in my cubicle waiting. Yeah. What was your former life? Paint the picture for me a little bit. I worked in healthcare. Um, I was an administrative assistant for a while. You know, when you walk in uh, mm-hmm. to like a, to see a patient, uh, so, and you go, "Hey, what room is is Billy?" I was a guy that said, "Billy is in room one hundred two." So I did that, you know, that involved patient services and such. And then I moved more into the office side of, of it as uh, the executive assistant for one of the surgical chairs for a couple of years. And um, I went and got an MBA and realized I wanted to go travel. Uh, so I quit, went away for what was supposed to be a year. And then here we are another 10 years later. Do you regret getting the MBA? It must not have been cheap. Oh, yeah, every day. What a waste of time. Really? Um, yeah, it was such a waste of money. Um, I knew... See, I like to start things. I like to finish what I start. And 
when I decided to quit my job in Child World, I was already in the MBA program because I had on a semester break, I had gone to Thailand and made this life changing decision. And I, I figured, well, I should finish the MBA just to have it because at the time I thought, well, I'll eventually going to come back, right? And get a real job and it'll be good to have. In reality, I should have just put, put the degree on hold till I came back and figured out my life more. And that would have saved me like $40,000 plus interest over the years. Um, you know, MBAs are not cheap. So uh, we'll, we'll file that under biggest financial fail. We'll, we'll skip ahead because that's coming up in one of my questions is what's your biggest yeah. financial failure? Would you say getting your MBA was your biggest financial failure? <sighs> no, not my biggest. It's uh, worse? Okay, give it to me. No, no, that one's going to have to not be shared by anybody. No, nobody knows that one. But I will say that I got to keep some things close to the glove, right? I will share lots and stuff, but the biggest one I'm too ashamed to admit. No, uh, why are you too so, ashamed? You're so successful. No, What's, I, what do you have to lose? Oh, little respect. I can't. I can't share it. Um, but I will say with the MBA that if any of your readers want to buy my MBA. I will sell it to them really cheap. <laughs> it, you can't. What, what are you going to give them? A certain, like a piece of paper with a. Yeah, I'll scratch out my name, write their name, I'll white out, white out, whatever. Uh, you know, best offer. Right. <laughs> Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. Okay, so what would you say is your money mantra, Matt? Uh, As someone who is a world traveler. You wrote a book about how to travel the world on $50 a day. Did you actually do that yourself? Yeah. I've done it for less than that too. Phenomenal. Well, what's your money mantra? Uh, be frugal, not cheap. Uh, you know, I'm the type of guy, you know, we, we talked briefly about how we both have a mutual friend, Ramit Sadie. You know, he talks about how nobody wants to cut out a latte. I'm the type of guy who will tell you to cut out the latte uh, because when you're saving, saving every little bit for your trip counts. So cut everything out as much as possible. Uh, but when you're on the road, you sacrifice so much. Uh, I'd be cheap. Why did you go to Italy if you're going to make pasta in your hostel? Why are you going to go to Africa and not take a safari? Right. Pick and choose your battles. You know, you're probably not coming back to Australia anytime soon. So if you really have always wanted to dive the Great Barrier Reef, dive the Great Barrier Reef. Make it out somewhere else. You know, you can 
cook some extra meals, cut back on the drinking, go into a bigger dorm room, do something. Um, be frugal, not cheap. Because most people who save for their trip, I mean, and when I coach people on this, uh, I always say, cut everything. You know, live like a monk or a nun, you know, or a hermit. Because when you're over in Brazil and you're sailing down the Amazon, you will not care that you spent two weeks inside your house cooking pasta, eating Netflix. Right, right. You never saw You'll quickly forget the pain associated with that. Um, I got I want to also ask you where you got the travel bug. My parents and I didn't really travel that much. My dad really loves road trips, so we drove a lot to Florida to see my grandmother. I went one cruise Disney World countless times. That was really it. Uh, when I was in college, I went to Montreal twice. Uh, but so, other- so that's why you wanted to get the hell out. <laughs> Once yeah. you had the chance, you're like, finally, in between the Disney cruise and Canada, there's a lot more to see. Right. I mean, I always liked the idea of travel, right? It was always like what you did, right? When you get a job, you have two weeks, you go on vacation. That's what adulthood is like. Uh, so on my first trip, I went to Costa Rica and that was in 2004. And uh, that's where I fell in love with it. I love the endless possibility that every day brought. The fact that you could wake up, you could do anything you want that day. There was no rigidity to it. There well, was no you can meeting. Do that in real life, too. You can do that at home. You can wake up and go, today is a new day and I can do anything I want. You could. You could, but first you have to go to work from nine to five. Well, no, you could go in and quit and say, <laughs> I don't like this job. I mean, perhaps not as whimsically as you are in, uh, in, in, in Costa Rica, but. But I'm being inspired just listening to this because I think that all the things that you're telling us about what we can do and how we can act on vacation, let's apply that to real life and see what happens. Right. I mean, yeah, go quit your job. I know lots of people who just hand hand in their resignation and such. But, you know, if you have kids or explore or- the town that you live in, you know, I live in New York City. I, I haven't done half the things that tourists do when they come here and I don't know if I would regret it, but I kind of feel like it's been a, it's been a wasteful, I've been living wastefully a little bit here. Like I don't actually know the United States of America, let alone New York that well. I've never really been to the middle of this country. I've never really been to, I've never cri- driven cross country. I feel like, you know, sometimes your exploration can start right here, right now. Okay. So this weekend, mm-hmm. right? I want you to go. To actually, today, I want you to write a list of three things you've always wanted to do in New York City and go do it this weekend. Okay. Go do it on Saturday is a day of rest, right? Yeah. The problem with folks like us is we work all the time. We, the internet, podcasting, it all never stops. But force yourself to take Saturday off and go do three things. Three things is a manageable list. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're like, oh, I got to go see 10 things. You could do three museums you know, a park, you can all do that in a whole day. So go do that this Saturday. Okay. I think I have a birthday. I don't, yeah, Sunday I have a birthday party, but Saturday I I got nothing to do. So that's going to be my day of rest. Financially, what did you learn as a kid growing up that you still hold on to? My parents always taught me the value of work. Uh, You know, they were never, you know, frugal or, or cheap. You know, we were, we grew up in a, income middle class household and my dad has a pension for buying every new model car 
But that always worked a lot. And I always said that if you want, you have to work for it. And you should, you know, you shouldn't go into debt. Um, so work hard and pay in cash as much as possible. Um, but they were never, you know, frugal misers or anything like that. Um, but I definitely got the value of work for my parents. And what do they think now of your traveling empire? Well, being parents, I assume they're very proud. They tell me all the time how proud they am of me. Uh, and then followed up by, I wish you could just be home more. Aww. Can't you come visit more? Yeah. Parents are parents. But I'm yeah. pretty sure they're, they're quite proud. Do people come up to you all the time and go, do you have a discount code for, you know, this hotel? Or you must get some nice invitations to travel to, Matt, right? Yep. I could probably travel the world for free for the rest of my life just on the laurels of what's exist already. Um, but I like to pay for all my travels because going back to what I said earlier about how you can be honest then about how the experience really was. Right. You know, if you go back to what I said, you know, no one cares about you. They want to be able to replicate it. Uh, if I just do all this sort of paid travel, like that's great for me and you as you know, a potential traveler might be like, Oh, that stuff. Cool. Like we should add this to our list. But it's not going to get you to buy my book or book through my website because you won't, I'll be unrelatable. What would you say was your so money moment? You know, a moment in your life, in your career that you just felt that all the hard work had paid off. You made a really great financial decision. Uh, when I could afford to buy a business class ticket. Where were you going? Sydney to New York. Oh boy. You're going to need business class for that. That's a long, it's a long journey. Yeah. I didn't have any miles. Uh, for an award ticket. But I will say this, I also will travel hack it. I bought it in a different currency that was doing worse than the dollar. So I got it up. Interesting. Okay. So that's a good hack. I bought it in uh, New Zealand Kiwi, Kiwi dollars. Um, so it was like a third cheaper because I didn't buy it in uh, US dollars. If I, I went to the U.S. version of their their website, and oh. it was more more expensive. But once you put in your credit card, they know you live in in the states. Doesn't it just you can actually still hack it just by going to the the Australian side of the of the website? Yeah, I just uh, I use a VPN to to trick my the servers to say I'm in um, Australia. How do you do that? How do I get a VPN that says I'm in Australia? Uh, you just download a VPN and set the location um, oh. to where you want. Um, it also helped that I was actually in is that, Australia. Is that when, ethical? When mm, that's not for me to decide. <laughs> you just, you're like, it worked. And that's that's all I care. It worked. Interesting. Okay, so that's a true hack. What are some other hacks for saving a lot of money? Um, and that saved you with a 30% discount on a business class ticket. That's a lot of money. That could have probably gotten you another maybe coach ticket someplace else. So well, give me some more. Some good travel hacks. Uh, well, there's always the points and miles thing that people should do. Um, but to just be simple, easy ones that don't take too much time. I would say that you know, when it comes to flying, inconvenience yourself. Inconvenience you know who, yourself. Okay. That doesn't sound like a good vacation to me. Well, I'm just talking about the flight. Uh, just to get the cheap flight, not inconvenience yourself on the plane. I always get a good seat. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, on a, nobody wants to wake up early for a flight or fly that red eye or connect three times, right? So if you fly midweek or early or really late at night or add a few connections in, people, you, you will find cheaper flights because most people don't want to do that. So they pay more money to fly midday, to go direct, all these things. Uh, so airlines generally have cheaper flight tickets in the morning, midweek, at night because fewer people are trying to book those tickets. Now, then, then on the plane, they're flying the flights on its full, so you can go pick a better seat. You know, if you're trying to get from Vegas, uh, you know, from Vegas to New York midday on a Sunday, you know, that plane is full, you know, and you might not get a good seat. What about upgrades? Are there, I, I did this thing once I was traveling a lot between New York and LA and I was tra- flying with, I believe it was United most of the time. So eventually, um, every fourth trip or so I would be able to qualify for a relatively inexpensive upgrade to first class, sometimes a free upgrade. And the trick was going to the airport well in advance of your flight. If you were one of the first few to check in, at the airport, they might give you the option of getting the, up, the upgrade. So I literally would run to the kiosk. If I saw someone ahead of me, I would try to beat them. All because I wanted to be the one who would get the offer for like the $80 upgrade to, fir- to first class or sometimes the free one. And usually it would work. What else? What else can people do to get like a free first class upgrade or... um is it my friend actually said that on his way back from Austin to New York, he's like, I'm going to he's like, I intentionally picked like the last flight out because by then he was pretty sure that he was going to get bumped or given the offer to give away his seat to somebody else. And then he could be able to stay the extra night, get free hotel and then just go back to New York in the morning, which was totally amenable with his schedule. Are these all hacks or is this just dumb luck? combination you know if if you want to if you want to pick overbook flights like your friend like yes that's i know lots of people who do that so they can get certificates and such i mean in me my travel schedule schedule is always so flexible that you know i have no problem taking taking the the next flight if they're offering to bump you and give you money and you know a hotel i'm like yeah i'll take it i don't have anywhere to be uh for most people, that's unrealistic, right? Um, you know, and what you were saying about how you got the upgrades is mostly a product of the fact that you flew a lot, which is what I do. I, I'm hooked up to American. Um, so for, for me, I get a lot of upgrades because I'm always flying American. You know, I, t- I have the status. I get the offers. For your average person, it really is dumb luck. You know, a lot of people like, oh, if you give your flight attendant chocolates or, you know, if you're really nice to the gate agent. Chocolates. I have a friend that does it all the time. You know, yeah, if you give your the flight attendant chocolates and you're really nice to them and you're in economy, they'll probably bring you back a little extra from business class. Like, here's the business class meal. Here's, um, here's some wine. I once got a bottle of champagne that I gave um, – with tons of guys, chocolates, but, you know, and you can be really nice to the gate agents, you know, they have the power, uh, you know, maybe if you know, you're on your honeymoon or you have to go home for a funeral or. You Always know, say it's your honeymoon. 
Yeah. (laughs) Even if it's not. Or say it's your anniversary or your birthday, because that'll always get you something. Well, they know it's your birthday or not, because they can see. Don't lie about your birthday, but. Yeah. But but the reality is airlines have got capacity to the point where they are often very full. And those seats in business class and first class go to elites um, who have to get bumped up before they will offer you the guy that bought the cheapest ticket of all. But you brought chocolates. Yeah. So it's, it's really luck. Um, you, can, you can optimize that by doing what your friend does in finding you know, the last flight, um, going at a time that you know is like really booked. You know, like, so if there's one direct flight uh, to go back to this Vegas example, right? Nobody wants to wake up at 5 a.m. after a weekend in Vegas. They either stay <laughs> up or they're, yeah. they either stay up or, you know, they, they, they miss just, their flight. They, they miss their flight. So that two o'clock flight back east is always full. Every airline always runs full. So get yourself on that flight as an unassigned seat. And chances are you could get bumped. You probably won't get bumped up, but what they'll do is they'll probably bump you for the next day. Um, then they'll bump you up. Or So you can do those things where you're, you, you fly the busiest time uh, in the hopes that you're going to be the one get, that gets bumped. Because when they say, hey, he wants to get bumped, nobody ever wants to get bumped. But if you're flexible uh, and you manage that much, Take the bump. Mm. Uh, but just on your regular JFK to Heathrow flight, uh, unless there's a lot of other delays or, you know, the plane is really empty and, and the, the woman's feeling nice, chances are you're not, you're not moving up. Right. It's, it's often just luck. So I've interviewed a few other blogger extraordinaires such as yourself in different categories. So um, interviewed a man who left the corporate life to talk about Uber and other car sharing companies. And he's the car share guy at dot com and your uh, nomadic com. And I find it very fascinating how you all have made um massive careers out of what turned what started as a hobby you know a pastime a passion really and turned it into a full-fledged business and at this point even though you started as a blogger what would you say is your biggest income generator uh my biggest income generator is affiliate sales um, people booking their travel through my website in many ways a, a booking site you know moving away mm-hmm. less of a blog and more of an e-commerce booking engine it's interesting because I go to your site and it doesn't really scream e-commerce to me. Are you going to relaunch it or you like the fact that it kind of is more inviting as a place to browse? People probably spend a lot of time on your site. There's a lot of information. I do the soft sell, right? You, you, you're, by the time you're ready to book and stuff, I got to. You've been on my site for 20 minutes. Chances are you're more likely to book because I become the trusted resource, so to speak. Go down the rabbit hole at Nomadic Matt and you'll find yourself booking tickets to Australia and in, in good time. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. I have a couple more questions, but these are more uh, fill in the blanks. So, uh, and I'm going to switch them up for you because you are the traveler. I'd be curious to learn the following. If I had only one place left to travel in this world, it would be? Bhutan. Bhutan. Have you been there before? Never. You've never been there. So why make this the last trip? 
it's got mountains. It's quiet. I mean, it just seems like such a magical place. I mean, that's where they base Shangri-La off of. So mm. let's let's go see it. So why not go there this year? Good question. Gotta Good save question. the best for last, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you won the lottery, and this is a question I ask a lot of people. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say someone gave you a hundred million bucks, first thing I would do is fly first class around the world. Nice. And you like American, or you just happen to just it? It's what stuck. Uh, I like their partners, and they're better than they have nicer planes than United. But I wouldn't fly American around the world. I'd fly all the nicer airlines. You know, my brother Emirates. Emirates. I was just going to say, my brother worked at Emirates as a consultant, and I think he got like a free trip as part of that gig. I hear it's amazing. He's lucky. If I was stuck on an island, let's say you had to go to Stranded Island, three things you would take with you. Does this island have Wi-Fi access? Mm, um, that could be one of the things that you supply. Okay. All right. I would take the Alchemist, a chess set, and a sat phone. A, wh- a satellite phone. Who would you play chess with? The person on the other end of the satellite phone. <laughs> okay. Interesting. And then why the Alchemist? You it's read really that. Good. You, you can't. You got to read it more than once. Oh, I mean, I've read it about a dozen times. It just never gets old. It's always inspiring. Makes you really want to go out there and follow your dreams and live life. And I need to get that book another chance. You know, I started reading it and I fell asleep. Uh, you should give it another chance. It's a slow. Is it? Is it just me or is it kind of slow to start? It's no, a little bit you, slow. It's a little bit slow. Okay, I, maybe I was also younger and less less a lot of things. So maybe now I'm wiser, older, and um, more patient. Now that I'm a mom, I'll get past page three. All right, and last but not least, I'm nomadic Matt, and I'm so money because. Because I'm frugal, not cheap. Because I'm frugal, not cheap. I already tweeted that. I multi, I multitasked while I was interviewing you, and I went on Twitter and I tweeted that just to get people a little curious about listening to the rest of our interview. And it's been really fun connecting with you. Thank you so much. And your advice will be in the August issue of Oprah Magazine. I'm sure that's like your favorite magazine, right? You you'll subscribe to it. You cover to cover, right? You and Oprah curling I- up. I wish I was curling up with Oprah. Do you know <laughs> do you know Oprah? Have you met Oprah? I have never met Oprah, but I feel like I'm getting warmer, you know, now that I she's inviting me to write for her magazine. I feel like it's gonna happen. And when it does, I don't know. World, well, brace yourself. I'm gonna have one of those ugly cries. I think that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Matt, thank you so much and uh continue wishing you continued success. Thank you. You too. Have a great day. All right. Going to go make some plans for that vacation this summer. Thank you, Nomadic Matt. If you'd like to learn more about him, his website is nomadicmatt.com. He's also on Twitter at Nomadic Matt. All this info back at somoneypodcast.com, including the audio and the transcript and the comments. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh. Leave me your question for the Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Thanks so much for tuning in, friends. Hope your day is so money. 